Lockdown Women's Basketball is here talking about the Seattle Storm and all things 2022 WNBA draft with M. Adler. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And hello, it is Wednesday, April 13th. I am Howard Megdahl, founder, editor of The Next, and your lead host for Lockdown Women's Basketball, talking about the game we care about every single day. It is still all of us dealing with the ramifications and the permutations and the ripple effects of the WNBA draft from Monday night. I am still recovering, trying to think it all through. Over at thenexthoops.com, you can read what so many of our writers have had to say about it. And that includes M. Adler, who is on the Seattle Storm Beat. M, how are you recovering, just emotionally, psychologically, from Monday night? Frankly, of all of the teams who could have possibly, I could have possibly covered for the draft, I had to cover the one that had really the least emotional uh, toll to cover. They, the I, storm did about exactly what I expect them to do. They targeted bodies for camp. They brought in some quality assets. And they, you know, as the Stormer want to do, they somehow found a way to squeeze some value for next year out of nothing they had this year. I, I take issue with that. I think the Chicago Sky had the least amount of emotion in this draft. I will. I want to direct you Touché. a little bit what James K. wrote. Uh, James Wade, the head coach and GM, of the Chicago Sky had zero picks. So we had James way, uh, James K. It's confusing with all the Jameses. We had James K. Uh, essentially shadow him for the day and give you a play-by-play on what you do when you're a GM with no picks whatsoever uh, in your draft. So I highly recommend that one. Uh, before we get into the Seattle Storm, who did have an interesting night, to be sure, uh, we're going to pay some bills, and we're going to talk to you about Bill Bar. Built Bar, and M, you asked me, you're like, oh, have you eaten, ever eaten a Built Bar? I haven't eaten many of Built Bar. I love Built Bar. They send over some free ones from time to time. They've been a longtime sponsor. They're delicious. Uh, you know, we talk about Built Bar and the Puffs. Protein-infused marshmallow with 100% real chocolate, right? So you're not even talking about some of this pretend chocolate, some of that fake chocolate, whatever it is, the, you know, how, I, I don't know what that even is called for, you know, white chocolate actually is strictly speaking, not chocolate, but that's a different conversation for a different time. And built bar is made with hundred percent real chocolate. You use the puffs that are 130 calories, four grams net carbs, 17 grams of protein. As somebody who's been doing a lot of work and the workouts have been Fewer and further between as I've been going to different games, you know, the final four and everything else. It's a helpful thing to make sure that I'm honoring the spirit, if not the letter of my New Year's resolution. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order. Again, my mom loves these too. So when you ask that question, you're almost... I don't want to say you're insulting Grandma Myrna, but you're not not insulting her. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off Built.com. And despite M's skepticism, 
tell them Grandma Myrna sent you. So um, let's talk about the Seattle storm if we can, because they did have an active night. Um, you talked to uh, to G General Manager Lisa Ray, and I know it was an interesting conversation. What was the biggest takeaway for you out of their night? You know, as I mentioned before, I think the biggest takeaway is just the storm. No matter what they're faced with, they somehow always find a way to get the most value out of any situation they're in. The storm, they're really going all in on this year as basically half the league is, but they're really committing to the idea of, you know, it's Sue Bird's last year. It could be, you know, they're not hoping so, but it, they very much are aware that it could be Stewie's last year in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So they're squeezing all the value they can out of anything. They traded away the number nine pick in this draft, their first round pick for Gabby Williams. Uh, and Katie Lou Samuelson also left in that trade. You know, they, it wasn't like a perfect one-to-one -one value trade, but they got what they could with mm -hmm. what they had to add some defense, to add some athleticism, and that left them waiting around until pick uh, pick number 17. Can they, I, before we get into 17, I just – Gabby Williams strikes me so much as a – perfect um, Alicia Clark replacement, for lack of a better phrase. Does it seem like that to you, or do you, do you see what Gabby Williams will do for them a little differently? So I think on two fronts it's different. On the first front, Gabby Williams is definitely, you know, more athletic in sort of like the traditional wingy sense, yeah. um, in that she's, she is more of like a backcourt disruptor than like a one-on-one -on -one, uh, and like deep help defender. Uh, and she also has, you know, a little more handling or a little more passing chops. Mm -hmm. uh, also different in the sense that uh, she she might not just be able to shoot well at all. When, whereas Alicia Clark for, you know, her last few years in Seattle was basically hitting half her threes. It's so. ridiculous. Ridiculous. The extent to which Alicia Clark turned. But I mean, relatively late in her career that she turned into not just, you know, a fine, passable offensive player who makes her money on the defensive end, but somebody who, I mean, you go by things like, you know, win share. She was top five in the league. And I know part of that is team context, but part of that was the fact that she was incredibly efficient at both ends of the floor. I, you, seeing what Gabby did overseas, being your league MVP, does that revise, does that change sort of your thought of what Gabby Williams can be for Seattle this year? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. She was the early finals MVP, right? Yes, yes, forgive me. You're correct, your yes. early finals MVP. No, no, you're good. That just speaks that speaks to the impact she can have with a given matchup and yeah. like over a one or two game sample size. It's hard to figure out what to take from Euroleague in general. Kennedy Burke, for example, mm -hmm. was great in Euroleague this year. She really made some steps forward. A lot of the skills she showcased may not translate at all, really, just because of the different level of competition and the different style of play. Kennedy Burke, like I said, great. And Katie Lou Samuelson has lit uh, the Spanish uh, division on fire yeah. the past couple of years. And yet Katie Lou Samuelson got, had to be packaged with the number one pick to get Gabby Williams in a trade. And Kennedy Burke is going to be in competition for her camp spot with um, John Lavender and with Elisa Cunane. I, I got to say, I, I think Katie Lou Samuelson people are sleeping on. I do. I, I mean, this, we are not, I know it's a few years, but we're not that far removed from the prospect that she was coming out of UConn. And this is somebody who has never really gotten an extended opportunity 
at the WNBA level. I mean, last year in Seattle was as close as it comes. She's shifted from team to team, from coaching staff to coaching staff. The W in, in your early years is more limited anyway, both in terms of playing time and just in the fact that you're in a system for a few months and then you're overseas. I, I just, I'm not convinced that we didn't just see a breakout from Katie Lou in the same way that we may have seen a breakout from Gabby Williams. Yeah, she's someone who needs a certain level of continuity mm-hmm. and a certain level of long-term support um, from the organization that she's with to succeed. Yeah. You know, we saw that starting to take hold in Seattle. I had a number of quotes, you know, relevant to that in sort of my play reviews at the end of the season. Yeah. So I'll point that out. She hit somewhere in the neighborhood of 34, 35% of her threes since, not since the All-Star break, but since like June, I want to say, in that season. There, There is promise there, and she certainly has the chops as far as, you know, just being a help defender overall. So there's the, there are the chops very much to be like a very good team 3 and D player, but her motion in terms of her shooting motion and her footwork, it, it, it lends me to think that she doesn't, it's more likely than not that she can't really ramp up her volume to what the Sparks are going to need to actually mm-hmm. make her like just a deep bomber than people think. It's possible. It is very possible. I'm curious to see her work with Fred Williams on the offensive end there when she gets to, uh, to LA should be back home. I, I just think there's a lot of talent there potentially to be unlocked. And, you know, obviously her pedigree and coming from, from UConn, um, you know, a, a program that has produced so many elite WNBA players is significant, but it is also worth noting, generally speaking, that's led to UConn players being who they are right away when they get to the pros. And if, you know, sort of the reverse of it is, if you didn't come out of UConn ready to be that player, a lot of times that player doesn't subsequently develop. And we've seen that happen a few times too. So be interesting to see, uh, to be sure. Um, just to let you know, also pay some more bills here um, about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. All, by the way, not just men's sports. Uh, I, I've been so aggravated when I've seen different betting platforms coming together. It's so simple. It's so straightforward. Include the NCAA Women's Tournament. Include the WNBA. You know, make sure that there is true equality, not just because it's the morally right thing to do, but why? Why are you leaving money on the table? Well, Ben Online doesn't do that. And uh, I think it's really important, and I'm really glad that they do. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering information. So head over to the website today, betonline.net, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends. Bet Online, where the game starts. And yes, that game can be the women's game too. So there were some other uh, some other pitches that Seattle made. And I know we talked we would do that in block one, but as usual, we're running a bit behind. So let's talk about what happened next in terms of Seattle. I mean, obviously. They made that trade and traded the number 18 pick uh, to New York for 2023 second round pick. What do you think of that? I know you've been down on the 2023 draft. And I still am. The, honestly, the more I watch it, the less the less confident I am in anyone beyond, really anyone beyond Aaliyah Boston. Haley Jones is a great prospect. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a lot of film work to actually, to really get a sense of what she's going to be as a pros, as like an actual professional prospect. But you think Boston will be okay? You think Boston can make it? Yeah, I think, you know, just on a scale of, like, 
one to ten. I think she's probably on the higher end of the range. You know, solid prospect. Any what is the last? This is a tangent, but what is the last year that Aaliyah Boston wouldn't have been the number one? Uh, what year did Sabrina and Satu go into? 2020. Yes. You'd have picked both of them ahead of Aaliyah Boston. Oh, yeah. Comfortably. She was a freshman that year. <laughs> I mean, Boston next year. You're 2023 <laughs> Boston. Who are you? Who are you picking ahead of the Boston that we're going to see a year from now? I'm asking you to simultaneously go forward and back in time, which I recognize is complicated. Who went? Who went? Well, number one the year before Asian. Uh, Kelsey Plum, 2017. Yeah, so be, I mean, I mean, the answer is Asia. Asia is probably the 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 most recent person who should who like if you redrafted everyone should go number one bullet over Boston. Other than that, you'd have to go back to Stewie. Are you sure that you, I, and I say this as somebody who thinks very highly of Asia Wilson, but would you pick Wilson over Boston knowing what we know at the moment? I mean, knowing what we know at the moment, that makes the Wilson pick easier. She's already won MVP. <laughs> I just look back. I've been amazed that Aaliyah Boston, I've talked to Don Staley about this, has outpaced Asia Wilson's numbers in some fundamental ways that I just, I don't think anybody had reason to expect it would happen. And, you know, I know those comparisons were something Boston said, you know, I'm my own person early on. And she's absolutely not just said about proving it, but having done so with multiple final fours and a national championship. But I, it, it is closer than it ought to be for somebody as good as Asia Wilson. I just think that speaks to Aaliyah Boston still. Yeah. Aaliyah Boston is going to be one of the best number one prospects in the history of the NBA, or of the WNBA and will be one of the best prospects ever yeah. to to grace the top of the lottery. It, it's not going to be particularly close. And funny enough, just just based on positional value and the value mm -hmm. of different skill sets, if things keep progressing the way that they are, the year after Leah Boston, we will get another center as, a, as in my opinion, the top prospect who is maybe just like an inch below Boston in terms of um, pro, uh, number one value. It's an incredible and, run here. And yet Cameron Brink will go third in that draft. If some, if somehow we get teams like the wings and the Liberty atop the draft, she certainly will. <laughs> we, we, that I'm looking forward to already our arguments down the line, but <laughs> I think, I think we finally, uh, did get from entirely off track. So let's just go back for a moment to the present rather than the, the past and the future. The 2023 draft you trade, but also Seattle, you know, didn't necessarily have the room to be able to add someone, especially when at 21, they were able to bring in Avina Westbrook. I, I know you are somewhat skeptical of Westbrook at the next level. Uh, I, I, you and Jackie Powell have had this conversation. I know many times. Uh, do you think? Let's put a percentage on it. What's the percentage chance that Avina Westbrook makes that team? If no one in camp suffers a torn ACL, mm -hmm. like one percent. Okay. All right. And just because 
it's full up just because you don't think that Westbrook skills translate already. It, it, you mentioned, and it's such an important point. It's not just that Westbrook is coming in unfinished, but she's 23. But Avina Westbrook feels to me like if we were talking on the NBA side, a textbook, send her to the G League and see what you can uh, get out of her, what she could develop, right? Oh, I 100% agree. Uh, the There are you know red flags very much in her prospect profile. She shot She's pretty average shooter from three for her career, and that's including a year at Tennessee right before she transferred when it looked like she was going to be uh, the next great like pull-up shooter. And just mm-hmm. didn't have to con. Her career free throw, free, throw, free throw percentage is quite poor. It's just poor. Her defense isn't up to snuff. And these are things that you can, again, center to a development league and see what you can work on. You don't really have time in the WNBA, especially when, again, you're on a team that's competing right now with players with MVPs who could leave next year. Yeah. You're, you're competing right now for a title and you're coming in at a position where you're competing with pet playing with literally Breon January and also Gabby Williams. Uh, I don't disagree with anything you said there. I'm uh, wishing the best for Avina Westbrook. Who's been mm-hmm. through a lot, who's been through a lot, but it, it is, again, it just speaks to the limitations of the calendar that you've got. Two and a half weeks, two and a half weeks to get all that right instead of uh, on the NBA side where you often have several years in order to do it. Um, And then, you know, most interesting to me, and there was sort of a macro conversation coming into the draft about like, where do international players fit in and how are they going to work? Uh, You got some really good intel on Jade Melbourne, who is one of the two uh, international players picked in this draft. Uh, picked 33rd uh, out of Australia. Uh, you know, th- tell me what Seattle sees with her at this point. So interestingly enough, she was one of the two international prospects picked, and she was, as far as I'm aware, unanimously uh, understood to be the number two prospect in the draft. And she did go number two in the draft by a couple spots below uh, Molly's Sikakone, who was playing in Eurobasket, put up pretty good stats for a bad cop. For you know a very poor team context, although she has what we would um, let's say uh, somewhat pejoratively call a traditional skill set for a big. Fair, fair. And I think that's one of the reasons why, somewhat surprisingly, Seattle actually never even bothered to look into the possibility of, of drafting Conan. They were Melbourne all the way. Melbourne was their number one prospect internationally. They were excited to get her at thirty-three, much like. Kune at uh, 17, they did not expect her to still be on the board. She was. And as soon as draft was over, they were in conversations with her agent about whether she'd be coming over, whether they'd be able to draft and stash her. Mm-hmm. Again, given the camp context that I just mentioned, given the fact that the backcourt is it's Brianne January, it's Sue Bird, it's Jewel Lloyd, it's Epiphany Prince. These are all veterans. These are all solid contributors. Well, at the very least, solid contributors. Mm-hmm. Um it is hard to imagine that Seattle would be anything but extremely disappointed if she came over to camp. If she stays overseas, they can do what's called a draft and stash, in which case they essentially just defer her contract next year and then right. deal with the stuff then. And by that point, you know, Sue Bird's going to be retired. Uh, Epiphany Prince is almost certainly going to be either retired or playing for a minimum contract somewhere else. Mm-hmm. They have the context to bring her over and actually develop her at that point. I just... It's so hard to plan anything for them 
for 2023. I, I think their focus on let's deal with 2022 pursues last year for Stewie's pre-free. I know she was a free agent, but pre-re-free agency. Uh, you you, you got to handle it this way. So I I I think Seattle. And, and I guess that's kind of the broad conclusion. I wonder if you draw it as well. Seattle's made the best of their situation. You know, they've evaluated what their window is and they've maximized it. Yeah, their overarching philosophy seems very much to be take the big, take all the big chips they have and push them in in any way they can to maximizing this year. Mm-hmm. And with what's left, just try and roll those down the hill and kick them ahead to 2023 or 2024 or whatever they can. And basically just create some modicum of future future value around the margins so that, you know, once they hit that point in time, they have sort of given themselves as much of a leg up as they can with what they couldn't use to maximize this year. Absolutely a YOLO team. No question about it. Don't take my word for it. Synergy has them as a YOLO team. So you can look it up. M. Adler, always great to talk to you about anything, all things women's basketball, but also about the Mets and everything else. Um, how do people follow you? Let's make sure people do. I, who wouldn't follow you? That's crazy. Tell me. So most importantly, you can find all my bizarre tweets about the WNBA and women's basketball uh, on Twitter at EM underscore A-D-L-E-R. That's at M underscore Adler. Obviously, check out my work at The Next, where you know if you are wondering about scouting full scouting reports, probably around three to 500 words on the rookies, that your team just drafted, you can find them on my draft board. Yeah, but only 21 of them. Yeah, know? unfortunately, only the 21 that matter. Maybe be thorough next year, you know. Only 21. I will be thorough with all 12, hopefully, presidents, <laughs> or worth drafting next year. I love that it was a 43-minute read when they gave us the estimation of it. It was worth it, by the way, as the one who edited it. Worth it. But, yeah, there, there was a lot. It's, it's, it's very helpful. Um, and don't you have a Duke Chronicle piece coming? I have many Duke Chronicle pieces coming. I'm currently working on the softball season where Duke is one of the best offenses in the country, uh, in addition to having a couple pitchers that could be All-Americans. So, that, so, so that's always fun. I'm over there. Um, obviously, as I just mentioned, softball beat, women's soccer beat, and uh, most importantly, women's basketball beat. You can find me at uh, dukechronicle.com where uh, you can find all of our coverage. I will end by saying M is resuming – the daily briefing, which was an absolute must read uh, at the start of the WNBA season. Uh, it's, I think, what do we say? It's like a weekly briefing until then. <laughs> but um, it, it, it was just, that came from nothing, too. That just came from your mind of like, hey, people ought to have this every every day. And you put it in our Slack. And I was just like, well, why don't we make this something that everybody can see? So you, you, you continue to amaze us all. So thank you. I'm glad you're part of what we do. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.